Welcome to Films from the Phantom Zone, your podcast about failed and forgotten comic book movies, where you watch a forgotten superhero movie and decide, does this belong in the Phantom Zone to be forgotten for forever, or out and about for everyone to rewatch and remember fondly? My name is Arnaldo, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by... Birdo. Uh, we took some time off because we I went on a trip, and Birdo did some work at his job, and now we're back, so let's get going. Birdo, what are we watching today? Howard the Duck from 1986. Infamously known as like one of the worst movies of all time. Yep. And, and also yes, the first. <laughs> We're the, doing the Spider-Man yeah, point, by the way. The first uh, Marvel movie to come out in theaters. Ever. This is the first Mar- theatrical Marvel movie, period. Yeah. yeah. Insane. That this is, it's this, right? It is crazy that it's this. Yeah. I've got some uh, information on, on that bit when we get into the meat of it. But yeah, this is kind of known as one of the worst movies ever. And I think it's funny that we followed up. The last movie we did was Super Mario Bros. Yeah. And that's also considered like to be like one of the worst movies of all time. That also came out almost a decade after this. 93. This 93. was 86. Okay, it's three years off from a decade. That's almost a decade. It's seven years. Is seven not almost ten? What are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> anyway. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Finally coming to the theaters. That's the one that got bumped back. It a got few bumped years. back. Out. Yeah, uh, thanks to two things: the James Gunn thing. Yeah, when he got and, fired from Marvel and yeah. then rehired, and then COVID, which yeah, happened true. immediately yeah. after James Gunn got fired. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so we haven't seen that movie yet. We're gonna do a review on it next week. However, Howard the Duck had been featured in both Volume One and Volume Two. Yeah. Of Guardians of the Galaxy. So there's relevance here. There is some relevance, and it's time to talk about Howard the Duck. Uh, so let's get started. We're streaming, by the way. All these episodes are live on Twitch. Come hang out with us if you want to be a part of the show. It's on Monday nights, twitch.tv slash films from PZ. Uh, Birdo, background. What can you tell me about Howard the Duck? Because I know quite literally nothing. I know very little myself. Okay. But, <laughs> but we did mention him briefly in our man thing episode because uh-huh. howard the duck's first appearance was in a man thing comic actually it was in adventure into fear number 19 released in december of 1973 okay and created by steve gerber and val i don't know how to say that mayrick mayrick yeah and gerber was the writer and mayrick was the artist i believe now when you talk about an artist drawing a duck <laughs> look at this right here. I'll, I'll try to link this below, but it's yeah, it's who who does that look like to you? <laughs> looks like Donald Duck, and it's not that it looks like Donald Duck. It is quite literally Donald Duck in a slightly different outfit. Well, um, funny that you mention that because uh, the Walt Disney Company actually contacted Marvel in 1977. That makes sense. Basically, they're like, hmm, this is uh, infringing on Donald Duck. No, but clearly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, clearly. Okay, in this one right here, he doesn't look that much like Donald Duck, but this is straight up Donald Duck. Yeah. Marvel eventually did uh, redesign him a little bit. Yeah. One of the redesigns was that they gave him pants. Like, that was I mean, one, of the, well, sure, that was one yeah. of the major changes to his appearance that they agreed to do. They gave him pants. You Right. You can't just... <laughs> like, it's one thing for him to look like... Like, ducks are going to look a little bit alike, right? Right. But you're gonna go with the with the blue shirt and the no pants. Come yeah. on, and the hat. He had the little hat yep. also. What makes the whole situation kind of funny is that Marvel owned or Marvel's right. owned by Disney now. So, 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, it's not a problem anymore, is it? No. Did you know that this is a fun little side tangent? In fact, did you know that this is not the only character Marvel? Sorry, this is not the only character that Disney has had to fight over Donald Duck copyright infringement. Who's the other? The mascot of the Oregon Ducks. The okay. the hand drawn version of the mascot, not the guy in the suit, right? But the hand drawn version of the mascot dates back to like the fucking twenties oh. or something like that. <laughs> it's super old. And it is literally Donald Duck. And when I say that, not that it looks just like him, the origins of the two are intrinsically tied because apparently Walt Disney himself had like a friendship with someone over in, at the University of Oregon. And they had a handshake deal that they could use the Donald Duck likeness uh, for the Oregon Ducks mascot. Yet the company still went after them. After this was never written on paper, basically, it was just kind of like a word of mouth thing. And so years later, yeah, Disney tried to sue because Disney would sue anybody for anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's money to be made. (laughs) Money to be made. And also it's like they they're very similar to Nintendo in this where it's like if they they consider it protecting their right. Right. So apparently they found a photograph of like Walt Disney at like the University of Oregon or something and he's shaking someone's hand and they're like they presented it as like evidence as like here's the handshake deal that says that we can use Donald Duck likeness and they got away with it um or it's justified whichever yeah. <laughs> um and either so way to- Walt Disney was involved with it right yeah. so to this day if you see when you see Oregon Ducks like hand drawn stuff like not again not like a regular looking duck or the guy in the suit it is Donald Duck Wearing okay. Oregon gear. I'll link that below, too, because okay. it's really interesting. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. Well, yeah, back to uh, Howard. Because he started off like in that like Tales of Fear or Adventure into Fear, a lot of his early stories were like him facing like horror parody creatures. Well, he's a satirical character, isn't he? That's it, what it, I... He, kinda... He's satirical in general, yeah. But um, after a while, they kind of moved away from like all the horror and supernatural aspects, and they just kind of like gave him his own comic uh-huh it's just kind of like a satirical like slice of life type comic okay one of the things i was said that it's a comedy but the joke is that there's no joke <laughs> so it's just like he's just parroting real life yeah okay and, and that that can be funny in a way you know well and i think that's what this movie started to do for a minute and i think it's just to establish <laughs> like the comic accurate universe that he lives in which is called duck world yeah, Duckworld. And it makes him Duckworldian, although I think they just would call themselves ducks. But yeah. I, I guess from our frame of reference, he's Duckworldian because a duck is a duck. Right. <laughs> if, if it looks <laughs> like a duck and it, it quacks like a duck, but Howard the duck is <laughs> yeah. not quite a duck, right? <laughs> right, because he's an alien. Right. Yeah. Which this movie goes into a lot. The comics start to get away from like the whole, like, you know life parody thing and then mm-hmm. he starts to do some stuff with like some major marvel players so he's got involvements with like spider-man he's got involvements with ghost rider well yeah it says here that he some of his uh team affiliations include armor uh the defenders yeah <laughs> um partnerships with man thing and then some of the other team affiliations which really tickle my fancy and i'd like to know more <laughs> about it is a circus of crime and the Ducky Dozen. 
the ducky dozen. This is an episode we should have had Chris over. I feel like he would know all this stuff. All the Howard the Duck info? Yeah, yeah. Because there's, like, points where, like, Howard the Duck, like, encounters Dracula. Like, not even a part of, like, the horror parody thing. Like, literally the Marvel character, right, Dracula. Right, Amazing. <laughs> I, amazing. He's been a part of, like, defending the nexus of all realities. I think we talked about that with the Man-Thing episode. Yeah. He was involved in Civil War. That's insane. Well, everybody was. Everybody though. was. He was in the Secret Invasion... Here's a here's a fun sounding story that I never read. It was called Spider Man Back in Quack. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a major player in these events, but he is he's a part of it. You know, he's not completely obscure. Yeah, I would love if the MCU just did a, just a tiny, tiny bit more with Howard Duck because yeah, the most the most we got with him was probably in What If. What If? Yeah. But it's also that's a What If, right? Exactly. And also. Uh, he fucks. What's her name? <laughs> what if Darcy? <laughs> He's got a thing for humans. <laughs> uh, I I got a little bit of background on the film. This movie is kind of famously produced by George Lucas and Lucasfilm. The first words you see in the movie is uh presented by George Lucas, right? Produced by George Lucas and directed by Willard Huke. Mm. Yeah, let's go with Huke uh, and Gloria Katz. They attended film school together and co-wrote American Graffiti together, right? Okay. Uh, so after American Graffiti, Lucas tells him that he wants to do the comic book character Howard the Duck, right? So it's Lucas's idea, which I think is fascinating because... <laughs> Was he like, read this comic book. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed at like, first of all, I've never heard of George Lucas like even talking about... The comic books that like we think about today, he's mostly into like old time serials. Yeah, like and old like Flash Gordons. And, yeah, and, and all that stuff, right? Yeah. And so to see him with any interest in Marvel is strange. But then on top of that, the character that he most gravitates to is Howard the Duck. The duck that's just, like, living life. Like, Captain America, too basic. Spider-Man, been there. Like, he's not interested in those. He's interested in the satirical character, which kind of makes sense because when you think of how, like, the commentary of, like, Star Wars can be sometimes. Yeah. But that part fascinates me, truly. Um, But this was supposed to be an animated movie, which would have made a lot more sense if you think about it, that this should not have been live action. It was cheaper for them to do live action, though, right? Yeah, yeah. it would have taken too much time and too much money, uh, Kat said, right? In addition to that, Lucas was in a contractual obligation to provide um, the distributor with a live action film. Oh. So he either had to shelve this and make a different live action movie or make this live action. It was like, fuck no, that Howard the Duck movie's happening. Right. <laughs> so it's not that they picked Howard the Duck and they said... Let's make this the next, you know, the, the, the first Marvel live action movie. No, it was. It's, it just kind of happened, right? Yeah. I had a middle school history teacher who said when we got to like the middle ages, mm -hmm. like in a history book, she's like, first thing you need to understand is no one stood up and said, these are the middle ages, everybody. <laughs> like we remember that now, right? right? Like in retrospect, we were like, no, these are the middle ages. Right, so like no one went up and said Howard the Duck is the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? <laughs> but 
he took it as an opportunity to highlight the special effects works. Which are actually kind of good. Yeah. That <laughs> Industrial Light and Magic were up to at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is in between, um, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark was, like, like a year before this or a couple years before this, Something right? Something like that, yeah. Uh, it was, like, early to mid-80s, right? Several years after Star Wars had ended. Yeah. So... The next big thing that ILM is going to do is probably like Jurassic Park, right? Well, yeah, They're... that's going to change cinema. I know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Again, no one stood up and said, this is going to change cinema, everybody. No, it's like, this looks cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it gave him that opportunity. The filmmakers consulted with Disney's lawyer to make sure Howard didn't resemble the Disney character Donald Duck too closely. So to avoid the problems, they consult them in advance. I mean, that's pretty smart to do Fair. honestly yeah <laughs> uh, however that's why this duck looks nothing like the comic book duck uh <laughs> his appearance was redesigned several times during the process including his clothes and the shape of his bill uh, okay I, th- I think when looking at the character of howard the duck on the page and looking at this i think the biggest issue is how he looks a lot less donald duck and he looks a lot more like huey louie and dewey yeah because he's got a big head and a small bill. Mm-hmm. You know? Like little feathers on, he like, on top. He looks like a kid. He looks, yeah, he looks childish. Yeah. I think that's maybe... Huh. It's weird that that's like yeah. one of my complaints for this film. When this is like known to be a horrible movie. But... <laughs> but what you're hung up on is... He looks more like Huey doing Louie than he does Donald Duck. And it bothers me. <laughs> and I don't want him to look like Donald Duck. I want him to look like Howard the Duck. Right. But there's so many, so Which, many ways you can Guardians do In the Guardians movie, he looks like... Yes. Howard Duck off of the pages. Right. But to your point... That's also CGI. Disney's not going to come... No, like, because Disney barking down made those throats, movies. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> they're Disney movies now. Yeah. Ah, uh, geez. Anyway, um, <laughs> did you know who... Because this is kind of like a big budget movie at the time, right? Yeah. Did you know who was casted as Howard the Duck first? No. Oh, wait. I did read about it. Yes. He actually worked on the movie for a full week, and it's Robin Williams. Yep. Which is crazy. He ended up quitting because he couldn't match the, the yeah. bill movements to his voice. Yeah, which is, to me, a huge fuck up in production. You've got this movie, you know... Why don't you match the bill to Robin Williams? Exactly. Yeah. Which is, um, fun fact, that's exactly how they made Aladdin. So in Aladdin, a lot of times what they would do... In an animated movie in general, you have the script, mm-hmm. right? And then they would animate most of it. They'd get the actor... And then they go back just to make like the movements and the ma- and the mouth match and stuff like that. Right. But for the most part, the actor isn't given full creative liberty. Right. Okay. But with Aladdin, they since they got Robin Williams. Well, Genie like was Robin Williams. No, no right. Yeah. A- and he improved most of that. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there are like five movies worth of like Genie recording. Talking? Yeah, of Genie, <laughs> and he's just riffing because he's doing his stand up basically. Yeah. You know, and they just picked what they wanted and they animated it around that. And that's why the genie is so iconic. Right. right? He's not fitting a script. The script is written around the genius of Robin Williams improv. Okay. Uh, Whereas for this, they fucking filmed all of Howard the Duck talking and they were going to dub it afterwards with a famous actor. And Robin Williams says, I've got it written down here. I can't do this. It is insane. I can't get the rhythm of this. I'm being confined. <laughs> I am being handcuffed in order to match the flapping ducks bill. <laughs> I mean, it's fair. Like if No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you got a comedic genius and you're going to make him do what the stand-in guy did on on the day on set. 
That's fucking ridiculous. It's, it's backwards. Yeah. It's absolutely backwards. You're telling Robin Williams to do what, like, the puppeteer did. Like, no offense to the puppeteer, but, like... The puppeteer did fine, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have the... Com- you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, why is the puppeteer reading the lines and doing the acting, and then you get an all-star to f- to cover it up? It's, Huge it's, mistake. It's weird. Um, that being said, I was fine with the voice that we ended up with. Uh, they casted Chip Zine. I don't know who that is, don't but either. I think he did fine. Uh, apparently, they liked him for his nasally voice. He does kind of have a nasally <laughs> voice. Yeah. Said it suited the yeah. part of, of yeah. the duck. <laughs> I will say the voice matches the character. So mm. this movie also stars uh, Leah Thompson. Love her. Jeffrey Jones. Piece Ooh. of shit. <laughs> we'll get into that. And Tim Robbins. Oh. This is Tim Robbins uh, debut, by the way, as an actor. Really? Yeah. I'll get into that, too. He had some uh, choice words to say about this movie. <laughs> All right. That makes it seem like it was bad. It wasn't bad. <laughs> He was more positive about it than yeah. others were. I mean, he's he's very positive about how it gave him an opportunity, uh, and it was like a big job. Yeah. And he got a lot, he got paid a lot of money because it went overtime. Well, um, uh, I think even Leah Thompson. I think her being in this movie made it difficult for her to find work afterwards. Uh-huh. But she's been like pitching Howard the Duck movies to uh, Marvel Studios. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, give her a role. She, she wants to direct that's it. What, yeah do something <laughs> yeah even if it's a you know what they should do special presentation yep thank you that's yep. exactly what i was gonna say initial expectations what do you know about this movie have you ever seen it i for the longest time i had thought that i saw it but i think i've only seen like clips of it like growing up because i was just like i don't know what the fuck i'm watching right now right but everything that i had heard is just like oh this is like one of the worst movies ever made yeah that's what they tell you yeah <laughs> but uh that's all the information I really had coming into this. You know, something I want to talk about when we get deeper into the movie is the tonal inconsistencies. And <laughs> I already had that as an expectation going in without seeing the movie because I had heard that, like, it's raunchy at parts. But then I've seen clips of, like, the third act where it's very kind of like... Almost horror? No, almost family friendly. Oh, family. But, like, and then at the very and, like, end, it's, like, horror. Oh, yeah, for, for like a split second. Yeah, 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 yeah. there's horror elements It's kind of sci-fi, it. It, right? All right, so, yeah. And a lot of it felt like just a mashup of everything that was popular at the mm-hmm. time. So it's like there's some E.T. There's yeah. some Ghostbusters. For sure. There's some... What year is Ghostbusters? Like 82, right? Something like, it's early. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Enough for, there's plenty of for there to be inspiration. S- yeah. So much Ghostbusters in this. Um, There's Alien, for sure. A little bit of Alien, yeah. There's a lot in this. It does some things really well. It fumbles a lot uh-huh. of other things, but yeah. we'll get to it. Yeah, no, for sure. Also, it's very horny. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's incredibly horny. <laughs> it's very horny. It's ve- it's the most 80s thing I've ever seen. It's the most 80s thing. Yeah. It's more 80s than Stranger Things. It's painfully <laughs> 80s. Yeah. Is it self-aware 80s, though? Because Stranger Things is like, hey, we're doing the 80s. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's self-aware because this was literally made in the 80s. This is just like, hey, this is what's fucking popular right now. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so my expectations were pretty low, which I think is the best way to go. I think always... It's the best way to go into these type of movies. I think it's the best way to live your life in general. Oh, just just like have low low expectations expectations. for life in general? For life. (laughs) Aim low and avoid disappointment. Ah, there it is. (laughs) All right, plot. Let's get started. Two moons over a city skyline in a film noir style, Howard T. Duck 
I don't know what his middle name is, but I think it's great it, that it kind of stands for Thaw. <laughs> yeah. Howard T. Duck arrives at his home. Posters of films starring ducks adorn the walls, including Breeders of the Lost Stork, an Indiana Drake adventure from the creators of Beaks and Foul Wars. Foul Wars. That's oh, cool. that's great. Sorry, that, that was cool. Yeah. Not only was that cool, I would get that poster. I would get that poster of Breeders of the Lost Stork because it's not quite a Howard the Duck poster. No. <laughs> it's a deeper cut, which is somehow better. Uh. And, it's, just, it's a piece of art. And it's I really like art. all this and which is weird because normally I don't like puns. But for some reason these are like these are landing for me. It, I think it's part of that satire. You yeah. know, like it's like it's supposed to be stupid. Yeah. Like it it knows what it's doing here. Right. Because yeah. they're duck people. Yeah, they're duck people. Like so. you, you can't take it seriously. No. A postcard from his wife reads, Dear Howard, having a miserable vacation, I miss you. I miss your bill pressed against mine. Flying home soon, love Michelle. His answering machine play messages from his mother, his friend, and another different duck lover. Whoa. Right? (laughs) Uh, Howard flips the channels on his TV, confirming that this universe is filled with just anthropomorphic ducks. He even opens up the newest issue of Play Duck, revealing a centerfold of Miss October, a nude duck with feathered breasts and humanoid nipples. And what do you say? My favorite airbrushed beauty or something like that? (laughs) Uh, so we're about two minutes in, and there is there's very strange nudity going on here. We're already having a nudity minute. Uh, yeah, and, and there's, there's going to be another one in a second, too. <laughs> Just, it's done in like, a funny way, though. It's so horny, and it's so stupid. But it's funny. And I think if the movie had just stuck with this tone the whole time and just stuck to its guns... It would have been received better. I think it would have been hilarious. And I think that would have really kind of... Uh, at least cemented its place in pop culture. This could have, if they stuck with that, it would have been almost like a precursor to like all the raunchy comedies that yeah. we got in like the early two thousands. Yeah, or even a precursor to like Seth MacFarlane type humor. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, but it's not that different from like other raunchy eighties things either. Well, true, because you have like the Naked Gun and yeah, like, like well, I was gonna say like Naked Gun airplane, airplane. Yeah, like those type of movies absolutely knew that they were being stupid. Though, well, do you know that Airplane is a parody? I didn't know it was a parody of a specific movie. It's a shot for shot parody. Oh shit! Of a different, of a very serious airline movie. That's crazy because I've seen Airplane and I've never seen the movie that it's parody. No, no, one and has. I thought Airplane was just a genius comedy. So only right. <laughs> so like you would have to be an adult at the time. Okay. To have known that movie in the first place, because obviously Airplane is now much more famous. Yeah. But um, I can send them to you. I've I've seen a lot of side by side comparisons on TikTok, okay. where they they show you this the original scene where it's very serious, yeah. and then they show you the airplane scene where they're like, "And don't call me Shirley." <laughs> uh, but I was oh, gonna say, is that because the guy like profusely sweating? Is that because he's trying? Yeah, because he's trying to like land the plane or something. Obviously, and... like he was probably sweating in the real movie but right. not like that no okay. not gushing sweat yeah so, so that was like the scary well, movie of its time yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, okay. and that's where that's the thing like i like, feel like, like just completely a spoof it, yeah it's exactly what that is huh. and i feel like that movie probably works a lot better if you were there at the time and you knew what that original movie was so but, that you could see what thing, this that is movie's spoofing. still so fucking funny no, it's it is still funny outside of that context but like 
imagine if you knew that it was a parody. They it'd probably in. be like that's probably why it's considered yeah. like one of the best comedies ever. Right. Okay, but uh, it also made me think of uh, Ghostbuster because Ghostbusters is a horny, raunchy movie in its jokes. <laughs> yeah, Peter Venkman's a horn dog. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> what's his face gets blown by a ghost. Oh yeah, remember <laughs> Ray? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Suddenly, the apartment starts shaking. Howard's armchair levitates and is pulled through the wall and his neighbor's homes, including the bathroom of another naked duck enjoying a bath and a martini. And she's still singing after he flies through the wall. She's not. It's not important to she, her. She doesn't care. She's enjoying her nice bath. Yeah. Tits out and everything. <laughs> um, he's pulled into... And how does that work? Because it's a mammal. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm overthinking it. Because they're they're not our type of ducks. They're not our type of birds, right? They're not a, their planet yeah. had a different it's like the what the Super Mario Bros. It's exactly like that movie it's did bl- but better. But birds I, instead of reptiles. And I think they did it better. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's pulled into outer space through a portal, casting him into the far reaches of the cosmos. A narrator explains that within the cosmos, an infinite number of universes coexist until Howard the Duck lands in Cleveland, Ohio, 1986. He's discovered by a human punk gang and tossed into an alley. A montage ensues where Howard encounters scared hobos, a bike gang called Satan Sluts, (laughs) and passes out hiding in an oil drum. Talk about a rotten day. This whole scene is a lot of fun though like everybody's just reacting to seeing him yeah so far this movie's and dare i say kind of good right (laughs) and the puppet we should mention is really good it is no like the costumes the puppets the special effects like all of this is good stuff like the production here is good the thing is is when you hear hey worst movie of all time you expect all facets of the film to be bad, right? And, I, yeah. and we mentioned this last time, too. We mentioned it with every time we get a bad movie. There's typically a good actor involved or something where at least they're doing their best. Right. You know, like last week or last week, last time we had uh, we had a, a couple of really good actors who went out. They read the lines. They, they did their best. They got drunk while they did it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't really fault them for it, right? No, because production on that was a shit show. Yeah. And this is a movie that's considered horrible, but it's also made by one of the best special effects houses of all time. Yeah. Still to this day. Yeah. yeah. So you can't really fault a lot of these visual effects. They look really good. Yep. Even for by today's standard. And also the, the music in this is... It's decent. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, for sure. This whole montage is going on while like one of the main characters is like singing a song with their band. And I, I like the song, honestly. I added it on yeah. Spotify right after watching this. Oh, uh, <laughs> the band um, called Cherry Bomb. Yeah. Um, it's all original music, too. Yeah. And, and it works. It's not, you know, like when you have music that's supposed to be good in universe, but it's not, it doesn't exist in real life. Then it's like, how do you get music that wasn't good enough to be made in real life, but you have to pass it for good enough in universe. But then, like, when you hear it, it, it is kind of good. Yeah, and that's why it's rare to see that really good music in universe. You have to hire the right people to yeah. write the music, right? Uh, something that did that was actually the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. They made an entire album specifically that's for right. the game, and it's good. Like, yeah. it's, it's actually really good music. Yeah, it's a whole new, it's a whole fake band. It's a whole fake band, and it's like, 80s yeah style yeah 
hair it, metal it's, and and it's great i love it so much and just the fact that they did that is so interesting and then this movie kind of does the same thing scott pilgrim also is very well known for that yes where they hired real bands scott to make pilgrim music. might be the most the well known for that right now yeah <laughs> the best one <laughs> but back to this uh i thought it was a really really quick starter you get one scene and duck world and then you're and then he's blasted. flying through space and he's in cleveland ohio yeah i would have taken a little bit more duck world until i realized that's not what howard the duck is he's the only duck yeah he he's he's, he's like it. the fish out of water yeah yeah so it's whatever it's fine beverly the lead singer of cherry bomb is accosted in the alley where howard is hiding and he decides to intervene Howard uses his mastery of quack fu to dispose of the two thugs. <laughs> After a quick introduction, Howard pleads for more information. Knowing he's on a new planet with no ducks is of no comfort, but she takes him in for saving her life. At her place, he drinks a beer, sits on her armchair, and experiences harrowing PTSD from his portal ride. Howard explains he dropped out of med school, wrote music, did construction, and tried learning from the streets until he got a real job as an advertising copyright. Beverly suggests there might be he might be here for some cosmic cause. When he falls asleep, Beverly goes through his wallet, astonished by his duck credit cards and cash with duck presidents on them. She even finds a small condom and exclaims, Oh, Howard, you don't know this person <laughs> why why do you think it's cute that he has a condom with him oh howard you're so adorable <laughs> right just met him she probably be a little creeped out also uh why is the condom unwrapped it's just loosey-goosey in his that's, wallet yeah that's not um sanitary not sec- no, or secure like that thing's gonna tear or effective yeah <laughs> i like how this kind of shows though that he's on his planet he's just a regular dude like, is that yeah, okay? Yeah, I can see that. Like that was. It's the, like he he went to college. He dropped out. Yeah. He tried some other things. Right. Like he's just he's just a guy. And now he's like a corporate cog. Yeah. <laughs> In advertising, he like sells her on her perfume. Like. Yep. Uh, I wasn't done talking about duck penises though. Have you seen a duck's penis before? Isn't it uh, like a needle? It's like a cork. It winds up like a corkscrew, oh. and it shoots out like four duck lengths or something oh shit it's it's very doesn't it like literally like penetrate yeah too? Like, li- like literally yeah it's really weird and rapey uh huh. ducks are weird creatures again again and unless if they evolved in a in a different direction maybe so. he's got more of like a normal hu- normal a more humanoid <laughs> no, more humanoid penis like, like the nipples yeah, they have the breasts. they have humanoid nipples. So. Yeah, there you go. Who, who's to say? <laughs> do, do we need to know though? Nah. I've got so many. Qu- I'm just kidding. We don't need to know. <laughs> but yeah, he's just a regular guy, you know. Yeah, has a girlfriend, cheats on her, keeps a condom in his pocket just in case. <laughs> just in case, you never know. <laughs> but again, if they had stuck to that adult theme, you know that that tone. Yeah, because there's like there's hints of it like throughout the movie. It's almost like they wanted to do that. Yeah, and then they were maybe pressured to. Not, yeah. Maybe, maybe make it family friendly. It's almost like halfway through the movie, someone said, "Hey, you're getting really close to a rated R," and then they like overcorrected. Because I don't believe PG-13 was a thing yet. Because it's rated PG. Yeah, this movie is PG. But <laughs> the next day, Beverly sneaks Howard to see her scientist friend Phil, who is marvelled by Howard and tries testing him for superpowers, of which he has none. 
Phil hypothesizes that Howard and his duck people evolved from ducks instead of apes, like we did. Howard is fed up with being made to feel like a lab rat, dismisses Phil and Beverly, and goes on his own way. At some point, the uh, it's mentioned, uh, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's a duck. No, it's a duck. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was fun. I feel like this is happening pretty quickly because we're like, what, like 20 minutes into the movie yeah. and he's already... The two main characters have already like broken up, right, and gone their separate ways. It's like halfway through the <laughs> second act material, right? Yeah, yeah. At the Ohio Bureau of Employment Services, Howard looks for a job, and a social worker berates him for his punk duck mask and assumed apathy for honest work. He tries to bite her ass, but is handed his job instead. <laughs> Howard now works at Hot Tub Fever. A sex club sauna as a towel boy. Again, it's so horny still. It's just like the first half hour of the movie. Yeah. It ramps up a little bit again. Yeah. But. <laughs> because he at, at this place, it's like a straight up sex club. Like people yeah. are like. And he looks miserable here. <laughs> yeah. Like there's like people like fingering each other and like <laughs> under their robes and shit. Like it's really weird. <laughs> um, and he's like the towel boy. Like it's it's kind of disgusting. Yeah. Uh, abused by his creepy boss, Howard quits and is on the streets once again. There, he finally realizes the danger that he's in. It's duck season, and he was unaware ducks are hunted and eaten in this universe. He stumbles by a performance of Beverly and the Cherry Bomb, where he overhears Beverly's manager trying to pimp her out. Howard stands up for Beverly and demands the money Cherry Bomb is owed. The manager and his friend toss Howard down the bar and start a bar fight. Howard pins him down, threatens him with an ice pick, and convinces him to release Cherry Bomb from their contract under the threat of his space rabies. <laughs> I love how he's like, is that real? He's like, I don't know. I think I might have heard about it on the news. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to lie. I'm having fun with the movie up to this point. I, I am too. Like, like, worst movie ever? Really? It really <laughs> changes gears later on. But if the whole movie had been this, I'd be so down. Mm-hmm. Just really down-to-earth stuff, but with a duck. Which is what the comic is. Right. The movie does go off the rails a little bit. <laughs> mm. and Yeah. Again, the, the puppetry is just really, really good. But something very visceral and real where he takes the ice pick and it lands. First of all, I thought he stabbed that guy in the face. I thought he did too because I wouldn't have put it past this movie. <laughs> right. But it goes through the guy's earring just kind of like keeps him in place yeah and then howard threatens to like give him another earring <laughs> like another ear hole oh, yeah, he's like, no howard apologizes to beverly while phil shares his pseudoscience theories on the duck species he plucks a feather from his tail and runs off for experimentation back at the apartment <laughs> howard plays piano while beverly struts around in her underwear and suggests he become their new manager Howard comes on to her, and surprisingly, Beverly is into it and strongly suggests that they sleep together. (laughs) She starts touching him and tries to pull her top off, but Howard is in way over his head and nervously stops her. She claims to be just kidding and gives him a kiss on his bill. This might be the weirdest scene in the movie. It's very uncomfortable. It is. Uh, It's like almost like cringy, but you can't look away. Yep. And that's why it's You're just like, oh, God, what are you doing? But that's why it's kind of good because it's like right it's intriguing right like you can't look away <laughs> it's like a train wreck <laughs> yeah because <laughs> all you can think about is how are these two physiologically compatible and like you shouldn't be thinking that but like 
the movie begs the question, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's just strange. It's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm giving it too much credit, but it gives a slight insight on his character that he's kind of all talk. You know, it, yeah, because once she like seems to be in it, is like, wait, what? <laughs> like, wait, no, 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 I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't even well, know how this works. Like, scared. Yeah, he's like, let's think about this for a second. <laughs> what does this mean? We moved to the suburbs. <laughs> like, we have kids. Yeah. Can we even do that? <laughs> he starts having like a breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that from a character perspective, right? Yeah. Even if it is stupid and ridiculous. <laughs> uh, also, she wasn't just kidding. She was inches away from getting naked. Yeah. So don't buy that. No, she was just like trying to play it off. After right. She's like, all right, I was just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Phil and his scientific colleagues barge in with theories on Howard's arrival. That very night, the team of scientists had pointed a super laser to test the atmosphere around Alpha Centauri, but somehow it moved and exploded, transporting Howard just a few blocks away and leaving them with just one of his feathers. Howard inspires them to try to reverse the process to send him home, and he and Beverly share a heartfelt goodbye on the way to the lab. So when they barge in, they like they walk in on them. Oh, yeah. And then one of the guys like, oh, this relationship goes against like nature <laughs> i mean for sure it's but, bestiality is what yeah. it is but then like they just immediately just don't mention it again yeah like they just start talking to howard like nothing happened right that too <laughs> but spoiler alert for the end of the movie they're just like friends yeah like this was the only like will they won't they yeah which is probably for the best i don't want to think about them together you know yeah no although howard oh the mcu a- did it in a cartoon, like that's kind of wild. They kind of committed to it, <laughs> right? Off, off screen, but still, most Darcy off spent the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was clothes everywhere. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, look, we're calling this movie horny, but the MCU kind of did what this movie was too afraid to do. <laughs> Again, in a cartoon, and in an alternate universe, <laughs> right? As soon as they arrive to the lab, alarms sound, and a half-burned scientist, Dr. Jennings, rushes out. The laser blew up again, possibly unleashing something else from beyond. Howard is arrested for being an illegal alien, but he and Beverly... There's that satire. See, it kind of works. Yeah. But he and Beverly get away. Since Beverly took a gun, they consider Howard armed and dangerous in order to shoot to kill. (laughs) Dr. Jennings drives their getaway, but is under horrible pain while driving. He describes that some creature is inside him while Howard tries steering the car to safety. So they, they're they just kind of writing him off as crazy here, which is weird. I mean, for the f- yeah. for a long time. So the weird part is, because that's fine Could, with me. It's fine that they're like, oh, this man's going crazy. He got stung by a laser or whatever. Yeah. What's weird is that when it's all said and done, they're like, all right, let's go get a burger. They're not like, let's get him somewhere safe. It, it makes me wonder if they were like, if that's on purpose too, like, like, isn't this absurd? Like, let's just run with it. Well, this is the exact part where the movie completely changes. Yeah. Like, this is a completely different movie from here on end. This is where, like, the plot this where, starts, This basically. is where it becomes, like, sort of sci-fi horror, sort of action-adventure. Yeah. Kind of gets all over the place here. It loses that adult tone. It loses the satire element. It loses everything that I had going for it, really, it, from it here on It does start in. to spiel, feel like a spoof of, like, a Spielberg movie a Spielberg. at the time. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that, actually. So it still kind of feels 
spoofy or parody like, but uh, it's not as strong. Right. And I think this part of the movie drags a little bit. I don't hate it, though. I don't hate it, but here's the thing. When the movie ended, I forgot that I was watching a different movie at the beginning. It completely because changes gears. I, it I, does, yeah. No, I did what you did, and I was like, oh, that felt like a spoof of E.T. for a minute. Mm-hmm. You fucking got Howard the Duck and a human on a flying thing aircraft. They're get, running away from cops. Yeah. It's a very that intense. That scene was kind of exciting, too. Honestly. And again, it's, this is partially like yeah. it's made by some of the same people. Right. Right. As as E.T. and in them like he definitely has like Spielberg blessings on it. Yeah. But like that's not where we started. We didn't start with a kind of a wholesome. It, it's like alien. Story. It's like it jumped the shark. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, it never landed afterwards. It just kept going. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> um, car scenes like this. No one ever thinks to put the car in neutral. Just put it might car- be because they're panicking. Yeah. But look, if the driver like passes out and slams on the gas and you're left steering from a side and trying to figure out how to stop the car put it in neutral step one right there yeah and it's going to come to a full stop eventually eventually (laughs) i mean cut the ignition while you're at it (laughs) dr jennings appears to be possessed as a trio stopped just short of joe roma's cajun redacted now featuring sushi (laughs) this is weird a prop- I was so confused when they walked in here, too. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What is happening? A problematic diner where the white staff wear World War II era Japanese headbands. And they serve sushi, but they're all like Cajun people. Right. At the table. Or they're not even. Just, are they even Cajun people? No, they just seem like they're the people that work at this restaurant. It seems it, like. It's so confused. I, I think the joke is that this is a restaurant that can't decide on its like theme so they just threw shit together so they're like trying different things because it's done tastelessly and i think at the time they knew it would be yeah because it's world war ii era land of the rising sun yeah headbands yeah you know what i mean yep so like not only is it like clear appropriation (laughs) and like (laughs) stereotyping to like sell sushi like unauthentic sushi or whatever but like they got it wrong in the first place. Like, in story, they got it wrong. <laughs> so while while it's kind of uncomfortable and weird to it's watch... It's kind of from, funny. It is kind of funny. Like, I get what the joke is. I just don't think it lands that well. Yeah. You know? It was less of me, like, laughing at it and more me going, like, what the fuck is this? What am I watching? <laughs> like, it's... I don't like, what think, is this place that they I, walked into? Maybe you, you had to have been there at the time. I just feel like... Like, the joke didn't land. Like, I know it's a joke. I recognize that. I recognize the parts of the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I don't get it, you know? (laughs) Anyway. But then uh, they order, like, eggs and, like... Right. They order, like, diner food. (laughs) So what the fuck is this place? (laughs) Again, like, they don't don't know what they are. And the irony is, because I don't think this is intentional, but the irony is, it just represents this movie that doesn't know what it is. And halfway through the movie, actually, at this exact point, it decided to slap a different label on itself, right? And be like, oh, we're not doing, you know, adult satire anymore, like kind of a nori kind of tone and feel. Also, if you notice, the whole first half of the movie is all nighttime, and now this part of the movie is daytime. Oh, true. Like, it's that much of a contrast. Well, like, right after the diner it's like daytime yeah when i they think get it's out still the nighttime diners. when they get there yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they get out it's daytime yeah, yeah anyway at the table dr jennings claims that he is now the dark overlord of the universe 
The laser beam hit the nexus of Sonimus, a region of demons past the universe where they were exiled eons ago. The Dark Overlord <laughs> reveals his plan to start the laser again to bring the rest of the Dark Overlords <laughs> and take over the planet. A group of rednecks pick a fight trying to hit on Beverly. <laughs> There's always a group of people picking a fight in this movie yeah. over Beverly. Yeah. But also, like, all of this is happening and everybody's just treating, like, the very burned, sickly-looking man sitting at the table like normal. Like, this is normal. <laughs> Which is right, right. <laughs> kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's so it. weird. Yeah. It is. <laughs> um, it's very 80s. Though. It's like part of like their, their humor, I feel, for the era. Yeah. Anyway, Howard starts another brawl that ends in everyone banding together to cook him alive. <laughs> they convince Jennings, a.k.a. the Dark Overlord, to step in and save Howard in exchange for the Laser Code's key. The Dark Overlord takes Beverly and the key, leaving Howard behind. Everyone banding together to try to cook him, and they're, like, shoving vegetables down his throat. Very Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Right? It's they're, a, like, throwing, like, lettuce and herbs yes. on him, too, and seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> it's straight up like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. And I, I get that joke, right. and I appreciate it, though it's weird in live action. Yeah, it just looks like they're about to murder. Someone. Well, they are. And they're about and, to murder our boy Howard. Yeah, and you got the chef with the knife, and he's about to chop his head off. Yeah. But, like, the duck is talking to you in English. Like, that should at least make you, like, stop and think about this for a second, right? right? Like, clearly he's intelligent. Yeah. But, again, if it was a cartoon, it'd be funny. It's like it's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah, li- live-action cartoons are uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, like... Jennings is using superpowers now. He's like shooting lasers out of his eyes and stuff. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, this it's so insane, and it feels like straight out of Ghostbusters. Yeah, not just visually, like yeah, because it totally looked like and it looked like Ghostbusters like visuals there. Right. I did like when the server just goes back. She's like, "Oh no, don't worry about it. We have fights oh, here all the time." Beverly was like, "Call the cops." Yeah, <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> Howard poses with porcelain animals to hide until he can get Phil's attention, who's been arrested. Phil crawls out of the cop car window, and they look for a suitable escape vehicle. Howard suggests a car, but Phil insists on stealing an ultralight aircraft. Why? Why would you do that? It's faster. Is it, though? It's Theoretically, it is. (laughs) If God intended us to fly, he said, he wouldn't have taken our wings. I do really like when <laughs> Howard is just throwing in like bits of wisdom from his universe, like things that we say, like, hey, in my we, world, we, we say this. We don't say die. We say kill. <laughs> oh, yeah. They ready the aircraft as the cops arrive to surround them and narrowly take off. As Phil encourages Howard to use his flight instincts. What? What instincts? He says they're deep inside. He lost his wings. He He <laughs> evolved past flying. Right. <laughs> It's like asking us to forage. I can't do that. Not just on the spot, no. (laughs) (laughs) They evade police, harass duck hunters while almost losing their engine and dropping Phil. Finally, the aircraft crashes through a train, losing its wings and becoming a go-kart. So this whole sequence is the part that feels very E.T.-like. Very much so. It's very Spielberg action. Uh, It It goes on for a while. and, And here's the thing. It's good. No, like, when I was watching, I'm like, this is actually, like, shot really it's well. It's filmed very well. <laughs> These guys know what they're doing. It's just that they're doing something incredibly stupid. 
Like, that's what I feel like. <laughs> I, that's how I'm going to kind of capitulate this movie. When, when It's very stupid. It's just very stupid. Yeah. But, like, it's well made, honestly. <laughs> it really is. And it's <laughs> like, I'm confused on how I'm supposed to feel. Cinematically, that's a good action sequence. It is. It actually There's is. There's a lot going on. It's filmed. Like, it's just you, you get a sense of space. You get a the, sense of speed. The, yeah, the tempo's really good. The yep. pacing's really good. It's music's hitting. There's jokes. The, the score's good in this. It's yeah. Oh hey, real comic book talk. How's Hello. it going? What's up? The two arrive to the laser spectroscope as the supercharged Dark Overlord is attaching Beverly to it to summon another demon in her host body. So yeah, uh, they can only live inside of in, human, in a human like host. They need a host yeah. of some sort. It, yeah. I guess until they. I guess they're like as a cocoon because like know, once cause... they get strong enough. I guess they don't need them anymore. Yeah, because they, they don't hatch per se, but it's unclear. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's. Unclear. But he gets more powers the longer he's there or whatever. But yeah, Howard and Phil retrieve a neutron disintegrator, which uh, which he thinks may be able to stop Jennings, the Dark Overlord. They attach it to a rover, which Howard pilots and fires its beam against Jennings' lightning rays. The energy collision causes an explosion and the rover is crashed, but Howard miraculously survives. Dr. Jennings returns back to his former self, but knows that the demon spirit is still present. The Dark Overlord returns in his true form, a giant scorpion monster with tentacles, huge teeth, and increased superpowers. The monster grabs onto Howard and activates the laser. Howard escapes his grasp boards the rover again and shoots the monster with the disintegrator beam until it explodes. So as a kid, I think this would have terrified me. I think I would have quite enjoyed it actually around this part of the movie. This is like pretty much the end of the movie. Uh. I thought to myself, had I had been exposed to this as a child, I would have really liked it, you, and it would have informed my, my opinion a little bit differently. Would this I think. have been like uh, this movie would have been like a fond memory for you. you Maybe, yeah. yeah. Huh. I think seeing the monster, I would have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think I would have enjoyed it like I enjoyed like the Batman movies. Like, Oh, true. They're silly and they're weird. They're not really... They're Batman Returns is like kind no, of not uh, that one. I'm, disturbing. I'm, I'm more like Forever and Batman and Robin. <laughs> oh, oh, the stupid ones. Yeah. <laughs> Which were clearly made for kids, so it makes sense. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, and by the way, we've done all those movies the early yeah. ones, so you can go back and... <laughs> Here's complaining about those for a minute. <laughs> uh, there's a monster in Men in Black that looks just like this. Like Does a, look a little like familiar? A, a bug alien type thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if yeah. He looks. Like, I don't yeah. know if it looks exactly like. It kind of reminds me of the giant alien that you go inside of at the end of the Men in Black ride. We have to go inside and you press the red button on your car uh-huh. and then you spin around and you kill it. In the event that I can find what I'm talking about, I will link it below. But if if I'm wrong, then I don't know. <laughs> eh, whatever. It it does look like something that would be in Men in Black. I'll give you that. Uh huh. I'll get. I'll at least give you that. So. Kind of looks like a raincore too when you think about it, which makes sense. The the face and the, it, yeah. It looks like they started with a raincore and they're like, all right, how do we make this look not like a raincore? Because we already did that. <laughs> yeah. All right, make the mouth a little bit bigger, like bigger. Let's add some mandibles. You know, a big tail. Yeah. The monster is gone, but the laser is still powered on and summoning demons from their dimension. Phil pleads with Howard to fire the disintegrator at the laser to stop their arrival. But Beverly reminds him that without the laser, he won't be able to return home. 
Howard thinks on this before saying goodbye to Duckworld and fires on the laser, destroying it and all the incoming Dark Overlords. And this is the moment where Howard becomes a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is actually kind of nice. It made, You know what it kind of made me realize is like this sets up the Howard the Duck premise. Like he lives here permanently and he's, yeah. like, he's okay with it. It's just the reason why he's doing right. it in the movie or the reason why he's stuck here in the movie is because he was a big goddamn hero and he saved the world. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Howard lies still in the rubble. Beverly assumes he's dead. Howard awakens with a prank, pretending he's been possessed (laughs) possessed before they all share a good laugh. I don't think I would laugh at that in real life. I'd be like, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) Yeah, right. I wouldn't even trust him forever. I'd be like, well, what if he's he's the monster? What if he is the monster and he said he was kidding to... Yeah. yeah. Diffuse the situation. Whoa. (laughs) He's actually playing the long game. The long game. Soon after, Beverly and Cherry Bomb play a sold-out concert at a real venue, debuting their new song, Howard the Duck. (laughs) Howard accidentally ends up on stage and is handed a small guitar to play his own solo. What do the audience think that this song is about? They probably have no idea. Did you hear the lyrics? Yeah. It's basically just the plot of the movie. It's Yeah. It's just like a fun... Like This was a big thing in the 80s also. They would just make a song for the movie that's like yeah about the movie it's about the movie yeah but a lot of times it's not like in the movie though it's not like a diegetic like like they can see it yeah yeah usually it's like they just play the music and it's for us right so this being diegetic is a little strange yeah. but it's mc hammer and he's like rapping about the movie yeah yeah i guess ninja turtles did this but that was it was a little bit after yeah you know? ghostbusters but that wasn't diegetic that was just a ghostbuster song Oh, right, the Ghostbuster songs Yeah, in every movie. And then I guess the Huey Lewis and the News with the Back in Time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that that is a fucking, like, 80s thing. Uh, that being said, I kind of like this song, and I saw that it was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Original Song. I thought you were going to say Academy Award no, for Best no, Original no, Song. No, 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 Because the thing about the Academy Award for Best Original Song is that the bar is set really low because there's not that many songs in, in movies. Is that why Peaches is probably going to... Probably. It might win. <laughs> but it's funny because they never finished the song. He's always getting cut off. Yeah. Yeah, but some of the lyrics were just, Howard the Duck, and I caught saving the human race and stealing my heart. She's just singing about her experience with him. She's singing about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, like it's stupid, but I like the song. So right. whatever. <laughs> and that's it. That's the whole movie. Yeah, that's the movie. Um. <laughs> wow. Uh, let's get into the analysis, Berto. <laughs> Overall thoughts. What? What is this? What do you? All right. So where do you land here? Because this movie is absolutely stupid. It is absolutely strange. I don't think it's that bad, though. No, and like I don't think it. I I'm, wouldn't call this a bad movie. I'm gonna go back to what I said last time about Mario, and I mean it a lot more this time <laughs> because I think this movie is way better than that one i agree with that (laughs) um even though i like that movie for whatever reason (laughs) um it's a thing where like at the time i don't think it was probably that divisive like i think people said yeah this movie's bad i think critics roasted it it didn't do well in the box office but like i'm sure people saw it and said yeah it's it's a movie it's fine or whatever yeah but then like 30 years later all of those opinions are just like compounding on each other and we remember it so, way like, worse. The movie has like a really bad 
legacy. Right. And that just makes you like it, you know, it messes with your mind and it makes you remember it worse than it really was. And that's the case for a lot of the movies that we talk about on. Yeah. Here. And it goes both ways, too. Yeah. It's like, you know, some people have a lot of nostalgia for some really bad movies. Yeah. And they think it was incredible. And you watch it like, really? People like this? That, right. That much? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that's how I felt about X Men Two. I believe I was like, I don't know why everybody says this is like one of the best superhero movies. Oh, I think that I think that about Spider Man Two. I do think that about Spider Man Two also. Like, but Spider-Man we hadn't 2... watched Spider Man Two for this yet. So. Right. Like it's fine. Spider Man Two is fine. I think it's a it's totally good. fine movie. It's good. I don't think it's the best superhero movie of no, all and time. You know that's what? Ridiculous. Maybe when we revisit it, our minds will change. I doubt it. I saw but... it not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie a ton. Like I don't. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it goes both ways. I think this is a situation where, like, it's not that bad. It's not No, it good. really isn't. It's, oh, no, it's, <laughs> not, it's not great or anything. Here's the thing. I, Me watching this, I'm like, this isn't that bad. I kind of like it. Like, You know what? I, this would be a good cable movie where it's just like it's on Comedy Central on a Sunday. Back in the day, I don't know if Comedy Central still does this because I, I haven't watched cable in, like, 10 years. <laughs> but, like. They used to put, uh, like when I was in college, I had Comedy Central on all the time. And on weekends, they didn't really put regular programming. They just played movies all day. Yeah. And it was just like, I see like, like the random. Mo- random shit too. Like movies that like I'd never heard of <laughs> that I was first exposed to like on Comedy Central. Like I'd pick it up halfway and then like next week I'd watch the first half when it came back on. You know what I'm saying? This is the perfect movie for that. It's kind of like what uh, FX used to do too. Yeah, FX they would just play, play a like ton of movies. Random, yeah. like whatever movies they had the rights to show, they'd just be like, all right, let's fuck it. We're throwing on The Incredible Hulk tonight, and then tomorrow you're going to watch Wolverine. Right. <laughs> and then Speed. <laughs> yeah, and then Speed. But something that FX did that I like, and I might have mentioned this before, it's like they would like, instead of having like regular commercial breaks, they'll be like, all right, we're going to like show the bonus features of the DVD. Oh, yeah. So it was like kind of cool that they did that. It was called DVD on TV. I remember this. Yeah. And one of the few movies that they did a ton. We talked about this when we we talked about this movie was LXG. <laughs> yeah. That one, that's how I saw that it was always on FX. <laughs> but the problem with DVD on TV is that it would take like a four hour block. Yeah. Because, because you're all, watching like all of the special oh features. God. And it, the thing. And that's the thing, too. You're watching it mid movie. So it fucks with the pacing of the movie. It's, you know, it's weird, but it's kind of cool that they did it. It was kind of cool if it wasn't in the movie. And sometimes they're just like, know? here, watch a deleted scene. <laughs> like during your commercial break. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. As a kid, I liked that, though. Yeah. it's Well, that's the reason I never finished LXG. I'd, I'd seen the first two thirds a million times. But you're like, I'm not going to sit here it for four hours. It too long. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I would I would watch the behind the scenes of how they filmed the limousine thing and like how many times the did you see that man. Oh a shit ton. <laughs> and then I'd be like, I'm not finishing this movie, and I go do something else. But story wise, this is two movies put together. It, yeah, it's two completely different takes on this character. It's like two like hour long movies. Yeah, yeah. It's two completely different scripts. I feel because the plot of the second half of the movie doesn't start until halfway through the movie. It's almost like the second half of the movie is a sequel to the first movie. But like a weird, in a weird way, like Alien to Aliens. Yeah. You know, like a complete like we're gonna genre change up the switch. Genre. Yeah. It's like that. But yeah. within one package. it's mm-hmm. it, And I wish they would have picked one of the two. Or Probably you, the first one, the first half. I think even just like if, if they were even aware that they were doing this, like maybe they could have thrown like a stupid little intermission in the middle. 
and that, it would have almost made it feel like a, like you're watching a double feature. Yeah, make it a little bit meta. Yeah, I think that would have been actually that would have fixed some pacing and tonal issues. I think. You know those movies? Um, it, they're all based on there's TV shows that do this too. Um, it's based on a on a movie or a short story. I, I can't fucking remember. Mm-hmm. But it's when three different you get three different tellings of the same story from oh. different perspectives. Yeah. And a lot of times when you do this, you show them in completely different genres to just kind of like toy with the medium. Mm-hmm. And, and my favorite example is uh, there's an episode of Batman the Animated Series. Okay. I think it's called Almost Got Him or we, we, we Almost Had Him or something. And it's when like these villains are sitting around a table and they're talking about the time that they almost caught Batman. Oh, okay. And, okay. Oh, fuck. No, I'm, I'm confusing two different episodes. I think there's another episode where it's like three different crooks or like thugs are just com- they're talking about their encounter with like Batman and because they didn't get a good look at him it's overly stylized like a horror okay um, and, and they all have like slightly different stories yeah because okay. they all believe in in a very uh like urban legendary version of Th- Batman that is a thing a lot of TV shows do uh yeah and you got I to, don't see it a lot of movies no but you get to play with the art style or you get to play with the genre mm-hmm. you know and if they had done that which is what I think what you're saying start out in one genre and very purposefully shift to a different one yeah that could that be could, something yeah like just little things that could have made a big difference in fixing the tone of this because one of the complaints about this movie when it came out was the tone yeah. like it's all over the place and it is it is i wouldn't even call it all over the place it's it's, it's in one place and then it's in a different place halfway through each half is consistent with itself right but they're completely different from each other it, again yeah. it's and it's like if you asked two people to make two different Howard the Duck movies and then you got them together and you said, well, I'm going to take your first half and your second half and splice them together and there's our movie. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Again, the first half of the story is a little more grounded, a little more down to earth. Mm -hmm. It's about... I love how grungy they made Cleveland look It's so grungy. Yeah. And you got punks and you got sluts yeah and it's (laughs) uncomfortably sexy and horny but it's funny in a in a a weird raunchy way Mm -hmm. it's like when you watch a raunchy movie like it's not comfortable but it's funny right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like that's part of it and that's why i like i I stand by all that weird shit because it's kind of funny like it's like the naked duck ladies are funny yeah like that's that's a joke It's so fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. The duck's got nipples for fuck's sake. (laughs) Um, All that would have been fine, you know. But then like a family friendly E.T. movie would be fine, too. (laughs) You know, that's why I'm saying like if they did something too purposefully, like split the two halves of the movie, I think it would have worked a lot better. I was saying that the plot of the first movie is about... it's about the fish out of water. Yeah. It's about the raunchy humor. And it's about um getting, what's the name of the band? Cherry Bomb out from the shadows of that creepy manager. Yeah. Right. All that stuff I think is great. And then the second half of the movie, it's got this fucking weird alien it, it, villain. It's like Howard wants to go home and he found and out sci- how he got transported here. Right. It's a sci-fi movie. It's, yeah. Uh, it becomes a sci-fi movie. Out of yeah. nowhere. Uh, and you got, you the got, scientists run into the bedroom and turn it into a sci-fi yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> God, what an interesting! I don't hate it though. I don't, I really don't. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I wish it could be consistent, but I don't hate it either. Um, cinematography, this is the part where it really, I think, throws both of us for a loop because it's very well done. It's very well made. This is a, on a technical level, this movie's fantastic. Well, and again, they were showing off all of the techniques that they had learned and were excited to use in a better movie. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so I've got a, a blurb here. The opening sequence where Howard's chair is propelled out of his apartment used wires that were later digitally erased by a computer. This was the first use of this sequence, which soon became popular and was used in films such as Back to the Future Part 2, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and The Matrix, obviously. And uh, all three of those movies are fucking amazing. Well, that's the thing. It's like they <laughs> pioneered it. on this. It's almost like this movie just served as like a test reel, mm-hmm. right? The effect of the feathers on Howard's head becoming erect during the love sequence took months to prepare. Months. I thought I just thought that was funny. Yeah, because there's probably individual servers in there. The fact raising that they put the so feathers, much work into that is you know wild for, for a dumb gag. Yep. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, you can't get mad at cinematography, no, right? Because it's good. I do have a quick blurb to add. Steve Gerber, the creator of Howard the Duck, learned that um. Marvel was licensing Howard for use like in a movie. He um, filed a copyright infringement lawsuit against Marvel for his character. Probably doesn't have the right to do that. Well, no. Um, but <laughs> this was um, this was like one of the first examples of like the whole creator's rights with like comic book yeah. characters and stuff like that. This is the first time that was like really in the public eye. Mm-hmm. I mean, he eventually lost the case. Like they settled. Right. Because he wasn't going to win that because he he was hired he's by Marvel. He's working for Marvel. Yeah. He yeah. knows that everything that he creates belongs to them. Yeah. Right. But it's one of those things where it's like a lot of the times like the creatives working for like big corporations, like they kind of get screwed out of their creations. Yeah. It happened to pretty much happened everybody. Pretty much ev- everybody in the ex- comic book industry. Everybody except for Bob Kane and Stan uh, Lee. And Stan Lee. Yeah. yeah. They all got, everyone else got the shot. Everyone. Yep. Uh, and they're still getting the shaft right now. As some people, even like after their death, like Jack Kirby. Yeah, yeah Jack Kirby's sure. getting a lot more recognition for his stuff now. I don't know if that's because Stanley is dead now, or <laughs> or what. But it, I have noticed Jack Kirby's name is getting thrown around a lot more now. I keep hearing um, people say like Stanley's reputation is going to get thrown for a loop when they finally make a documentary about how like he's probably kind of shady. <laughs> Probably. But he has such a great reputation because of his, like, outwardly positive appearance and, like, all of the amazing he's, characters that he's created, you he, know? He's also, like, genuinely done, like, very wonderful charitable things, for too. Sure. Like No, absolutely. I think yeah. overall he was a good guy, yeah, yeah, but business-wise, sure. maybe a little shady, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, just the fact that, that this movie was one of the first instances of, like, a comic book creator, like, getting fucked over. Yeah. And to your point, like to this day, like they're still now that Marvel is making gajillions of dollars off mm-hmm. of these comic book characters, the creators for a lot of them that are like still alive, like they weren't all like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby creations, right. like uh, Brubaker and and some and, other ones. Oh, the guy are, that created uh, Thanos got kind of shafted too. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. And he's like one of the, uh, what was his name? Something Starlin, I think. Oh, I don't. Does know. that sound right? Probably. Yeah, he said um, he didn't, even knowing that Thanos was going to be in the MCU is when he saw the Avengers post credit scene. That's funny. Oh, Jim Starlin, that's his name. Yep. Okay, that sounds familiar. Yep. And he was like, um, that's my character. <laughs> like, huh? 
the actors, I think they're fine. It would have been super interesting to see uh, Robin Williams in the role. At the same time, it's like I think uh, could have been retroactively. It might have been very distracting. Maybe, yeah. I was thinking, I'm like, is it going to be another genie, another one of his many other kind of characters? Yeah. So you know? maybe it's for the best that he quit. <laughs> yeah. Or would he have done the genie if he had landed this? You know what I'm saying? Like, if Howard well, the Duck, how, how different would history have been? Because right. Howard the Duck, this movie kind of fucked up a lot of people's careers for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not completely, because all these people are, for the most part, still pretty relevant. Well, I mean, we're talking about actors now. Tim Robbins, this was his first role. Mm-hmm. We mentioned it. And then he went on to be like, I don't know if he's won Academy Awards, but I feel like he's been nominated Okay, for a few. I, th- I think at least for um, Shawshank Redemption and uh, maybe Mystic River. Have you seen Mystic River? I have not seen Mystic River. Really good. I'm huh. pretty sure that's the one that he's in. Okay. Yeah, someone with like the three brothers. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Nope. <laughs> They're not brothers or friends. Sorry. And there's like a murder and Tim Robbins is one. Anyway, um, you've seen Shawshank Redemption, though. Yeah. yeah okay. seen we'll talk about him in a second. But look, I mean, this, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, like it, he did a pretty good job and this made his career. Yeah. Like his character is a little somehow. weird in this movie. But yeah. he's very one dimensional kind of a com- comic relief. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, still like everybody in this movie does fine. a fine, jo- a totally fine job. Howard the Duck, fine. Yeah. And Leah Thompson, I, I love her. She's also fine. <laughs> yeah. I, she does this in Back to the Future and in this movie is like when she like gets angry, she does like a voice like this. And I don't know. Does that turn you on, Berto? No, I just think it's really funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's trying to be angry. Yeah. The, the rest of the categories here we kind of uh, touched up on when we were in the plot. And we also said we really liked it. Action. Look, surprisingly it, good. <laughs> it, it works really well. Um, even the, the kind of boring stuff at the end that I didn't quite like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still shot and choreographed and blocked very, very well. Um, music we both liked. I love the music in this movie. <laughs> the costumes really plays towards just how dead on this is to like an 80s movie. Yeah. It's the most 80s thing. Yep. We got puppets um, running around talking to people. We got... Well, we got the punkers, and we've yep. got her, like, Cherry Bomb and their cherry costume. Bomb, their, it's their band. They're, they're like, hair, grunge, grungy... Pop? Pop girl band. Yeah. Kind of... Not quite, like, Gem and the Holograms, but sort of. I and, feel like they're and, loosely and like, based on... Like, um, Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah. Yeah. Like, those were, like, the vibes I was getting from, from like, their plot. Not Maybe not so much their appearance, but... The Runaways, that's the all-female band that okay. uh, recorded the song Cherry Bomb. Oh. I feel like they're loosely based on Which was on in them. the first Guardians of the Galaxy. It was. <laughs> and Wreck-It Ralph. It was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so let's move on. Keep or cancel. Um, I thought we could do... Lightning round? Lightning round, sure. <laughs> uh, Leah Thompson, born 1961. She's 61 years old. Still pretty young, all things considered. Right. I mean, like these movies, she's like a teenager, essentially. Yeah. Like 20 years old. She can drink right. beer in this movie. so <laughs> That's saying something. Would you know what one of her first movies was? Was it not you, Back I, to the Future? No, I don't know if, if you knew this or not. Mm, hit me. Jaws 3D. Oh, the worst one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's the one that takes place at SeaWorld, right? Yeah. 
And like the Sea World's connected to the ocean for real, I think, or something. <laughs> yeah, I remember I saw bits of this movie, and um, not like I don't know why, but not that long ago. But <laughs> they pretend that like we're pretty close to the ocean. Uh, because we're in Central Florida, th- right? Because they like open the gates and it goes out into the ocean. Yeah, that's not how that works. No, not at all. <laughs> sea World is landlocked. Yeah, <laughs> she's also in All the Right Moves. That sounds familiar. Oh, uh, that's that Tom Cruise movie. From 1983. Oh, yeah. Uh, I believe she's in Red Dawn also. Soviets invade. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be Not the Josh Peck one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, 1985, Back to the Future. Lorraine Baines McFly. That's probably her most famous role. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, Marty's mom. Yep. Right? And when she's a kid. as a She's teenage Marty's mom. Well, she plays adult Marty's mom, too. They just put her in, like, old makeup. That's right. They only use, like, four actors in those movies. They should have just cast something someone else. Because I remember thinking, it doesn't look... I haven't seen that uh, Back to the Future in a minute. Mm. It doesn't look very good because she's, like, very young, right? Yeah. No, she's, like, very young. Yeah. But the makeup still looks kind of good, though. Hmm. 1986, Howard the Duck. 1989, Back to the Future Part 2, Back to the Future Part 3 in 1990, Dennis the Menace. I loved that movie when I was a kid. I don't know Dennis why. The yeah. I was a Dennis the Menace fan. He's just being a dick to people. Well, I think I, I think I was reading a lot of the Sunday comics, though. Oh, okay. I think that's why I, I love Sunday comics. I was up on all those old characters. The Sunday funnies? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Same year, the Beverly Hillbillies. It was the TV adaptation. Sorry, the movie adaptation of the very old TV show. Okay. Ninety four, The Little Rascals. She plays Senorita Roberts. I don't remember her. Oh, who's that? The one, the dance instructor. I remember now. <laughs> don't remember any of that. She was like doing the recital, and then uh, Spanky and Alfalfa are dressed up. And they're in the dance and they're ruining the whole show because they got like a frog in their pants or something. You don't remember that? Nope. Okay. (laughs) She's got a lot of movies here that aren't clickable, so that's not a good sign. (laughs) 2011, J. Edgar. So that's that's a big movie. Okay. I don't know if you saw that one. Clint Eastwood one is starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I haven't seen that one. As J. Edgar Hoover. 2014, a few years later, she's in Left Behind. So it's Whoa. like a it's like a roller coaster of like ups and downs. The, the Nick Cage the one. The Nick Cage one, yeah. <laughs> While he's on a big down too. Yeah. Well, he's kind of on a rise right now. He's back, yeah. The, yeah he's back. He's, Nick, back. he's on a second Nick Cage renaissance. Because yeah, we got uh, the movie about him. And then we got uh, Renfield Did Theaters you see right now. I haven't seen it yet. I got some more stuff on Leah Thompson. The bad press right at opening weekend of this movie, Howard the Duck forced leah thompson to accept the role in the movie some kind of wonderful which she had initially refused because she needed a job (laughs) that sounds bad yeah (laughs) and also in 2018 she publicly said that she was going to pitch marvel studios a new howard the duck movie after she saw that he had a cameo appearance in the guardians movies Mm -hmm. she wants to direct it too like she wants to direct a howard the duck movie Special presentation, make it happen. I know. So in 2018, she did that, and um, around the time of What If, so like 2021, she once again pitched another film, 
and she said this one would follow Howard stranded on Earth after the events of Endgame. Okay. Because he did come through the portal in that last fight. He was oh, there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because, I mean, yeah. he was in the universe. He's in the galaxy, so it's not like it's that weird. But mm-hmm. having him straight, he hasn't been stranded on Earth yet. Yeah, so. True. So that could have been something cool. Yeah. Um, and she said that uh, while she did receive a positive response, Marvel Studios ultimately passed on it. But she did say that Marvel Studios does have future plans for the character. That's good. I want to see, if not this week, <laughs> I want to see something. So it's kind of adorable how involved she still is with this character. No, for sure. And not just that. Uh, <laughs> Lorraine McFly also. She's reprised her role twice in Robot Chicken and Family Guy. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it when they do that. You know, I love when they're like willing to do that. Cause yeah. Usually in events like that, they're like making fun of them. But right. She, but they're usually like, yeah, what the but fuck? But if you're ever? in on the joke, then yeah, it's, like, it's like way Michael better. Gray. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, keep. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Keep her. I. She's great. Tim Robbins. I don't know too much about him. Pers like his personal so, lives and stuff. I just seen some of his movies, obviously. Yeah, so some of his biggest roles include uh, Lieutenant Samuel Wells, uh, a.k.a. Merlin in Top Gun, 1986. Mm-hmm. Is that the same year as this? That's the same year, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> so had that been... His probably second role, yeah. I, I guess. <laughs> um, nothing to Lose in 1997. He was in Green Lantern. He was a senator, Senator Robert <laughs> Hammond in Green Lantern uh, 2011. So we'll, we'll see him again when we get to those. Nice. I think that's a very minor role, though. Um, Tim Robbins is best known for the starring role in The Shawshank Redemption. Which is a wonderful film. It's it's very prestigious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. It, it's on some people's list as one of the greatest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Written and directed by Frank Darabont. Based on the 82 Stephen King novella, Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. I think. Frank Darabont also did The Mist, which was another Stephen King story. He has done several. He did The Shawshank Redemption, he did The Green Mile, and then The Mist. Okay. I think out of all those, though, I think The Green Mile is my favorite. Over Shawshank? I think I like The Green Mile more. Green Mile is very good, don't get me wrong. Darabont's a director. I feel like we expected a lot more of in the late 90s. Yeah. He's also worked on on Walking Dead. We're not here to talk about Frank Darabont. He was a showrunner for, what, the first two seasons, I believe? Something like that. Yeah. The ones that everybody loved back when the show was getting critical acclaim. And then it went off the road. But anyway, he's not who we're talking about. (laughs) It's been a minute since I've seen Shawshank Redemption. But uh, no, Tim Robbins is great in it. He was not nominated for any Academy Awards. What? For, hold on, for Shawshank. Uh, he was nominated for two Academy Awards. Um, he's won one, actually. Oh, okay. So he was nominated for Best Director for Dead Man Walking. I've never seen that. Because he's directed also. To think that the guy in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that plays like the the, the kind of stupid the scientist. wacky scientist, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, has two nominations and one one win. Wow. Um, Dead Man Walking, 1995, crime drama starring Susan Sarandon and Sean Penn, produced by Tim Robbins. Uh, and then Bess, he won the Best Supporting Actor for Mystic River. Okay. Mystic River is a Clint Eastwood movie. So I was, I was right. It was starring Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, and Kevin Bacon. Ugh, there's, Sean Penn. There's three. You don't like Sean Penn? Something about him. What? Well, 
Probably because he thinks he's a journalist and he goes and he talks to dictators. <laughs> something about <laughs> That's him. That's probably something about it. Him pisses me off. <laughs> it's probably that part. But he's a great actor, I think. Uh, anyway, there they there are three childhood friends who grow up, and then there's like a murder mystery that is uh, driving them apart. Okay. Because one of them, I forget which one, is a detective, and the other two are suspects or something like that. Great movie, Mystic River, by the way. All right. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> I'll add it to the list. Oh, I remember what I wanted to say. Uh, he had some words to say about... But you said they were, like, positive? Yeah, they're probably positive. Let me see if I can find them real quick. Uh, Robbins later said in an interview that he doesn't look back negatively at the film as he got this big job that was paying a really decent salary, and it was for George Lucas. So it was a huge deal at the time. And then it wound up... <laughs> going over its shooting schedule and I ended up getting paid twice as much for that movie because of all of the overtime. <laughs> uh, he admitted that he thinks more about the money he made and the quality of the film. Look, this is a He's job. Like, Here, that wasn't that bad. I made so much money. <laughs> it's really easy for us who have no stake in this to look at these actors and say, you need to be doing the meaty stuff, the artistic stuff. It, it's, it's a job. Yeah. He went and did a job. Are we proud of every job we've ever done? No. No. So why you know what I'm saying? Like no, it, the, the fact that he's just like eh, I didn't think it was that bad. I made a lot of money on this. I made movie. a lot of money and he got my foot in the door and then I was in Top Gun and then I was in Shawshank Redemption and then I've got nominated for Academy Awards. Like it's you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like some actors just get too up their own asses, they get yeah. too pretentious. Just you're doing a job. And I don't think this movie had like terrible like production woes or anything either i don't think it was like a horrible thing to be working on right. it just didn't do well keep i quite like him i wish i saw him in more things but he also yeah. directs i'll keep and then last jeffrey jones yeah that guy <laughs> uh he played uh emperor joseph the second and amadeus have you seen amadeus i've never seen it but it's like well it's really long but it's really good isn't it like a very important movie yeah, one best picture. It's best picture of 1984. Okay. It's about Mozart uh, and his rival. Amadeus? No, that Amadeus is Mozart's middle name. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. That sounds more familiar now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Edward Rooney and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's the principal? I don't the know. The dad? I don't know. I've never I, seen I know. Ferris Bueller's oh, Day really? Off. Yeah. I know. I know he's I know. very prominent in the movie. Like, he's constantly in the movie. Right. He might be the principal. Charles Dietz and Beetlejuice. That's what I know him most from. He's he's the dad. Lydia's dad. Oh, yep. yep, yeah. yep. Okay. Right, right. The whole movie is like, I just want to relax. Yeah. The Hunt for Red October. Uh, never seen it. Devil's Advocate, um, which I hear is good, but I've also never seen. <laughs> What else? He's in Stuart Little, The Crucible. The Crucible. Is that the one about the witch trials? Yep. I watched that in high school. I did too. They made you read the book too. <laughs> yep. Pretty good actor. Um, he is a he... good actor, but... <laughs> 2003 pleaded no contest to a charge of soliciting a minor to pose nude. <sighs> Subsequently arrests for failing to update his sex offender status. Okay, so that second one is just him being a fucking idiot. But... <laughs> <laughs> The first one, though, not good. <laughs> no. Not good. No. Uh, cancel. 
Yeah, no. We didn't cancel someone in a long time. Canceled, absolutely canceled. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. (laughs) This is supposed to be like a lighthearted, not take us seriously. We're supposed to be canceling people for dumb shit, and now we're we're getting real. Yeah, (laughs) like we've been keeping everybody pretty much. Yeah, he's. This is an easy one though. Yeah, no, that's an easy cancel. He's a terrible person. Good actor, terrible person. Which maybe that makes him an even better actor. (laughs) Fuck. It's a real Jared Leto situation, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, I think this guy's worse. No, no, obviously. I'm saying, like, you don't... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's not doing anything else. No, <laughs> no, he's not. His career's dead. He was in Invader Zim. He's in voice acting. Oh, yeah, because he's not near anybody. <laughs> I mean, just... Anyway, it doesn't matter. In, in Invader Zim... Yeah, that was, like, early 2000s. That was probably right. around the time all this was happening. All right, so uh, into the Phantom Zone. Final thoughts, Birdo. I'm gonna kick the can to you first. I mean, okay. you always go first. I'm, I'm not gonna put this in the Phantom Zone. And like, listen, like this isn't a great movie. I wouldn't even say it's a good movie. This is difficult, right? This yeah, is a difficult one. But like, it's not bad either. But like, it's also not meh. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't. Get, I don't agree with this. I can't put my thoughts into words on this movie all i can say is that it ain't bad guys like it's not bad i dare say that i think i like this movie but i i don't quite understand my feelings for it i just wish if this movie had just like picked an identity i think it could have gone really far i have trouble with this one because on the one hand like i can't in good consciousness be like Hey, like you should watch this movie. Right. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the whole point of this segment. But I can't be a part of like damning it either. Like the way that people say that this is one of the worst movies ever, I can't be a part of that narrative. No, because right? I disagree with that. I right. Like that's just simply not true. Yeah. Like it's just simply not true. There's too many fun elements in the movie. Too many things that are like legitimately good. Mm-hmm. Just because it doesn't all come together at the end, which it absolutely does not, <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's the worst thing ever made. Like, that's extreme. Yes. So, like, I don't want to be a part of that. And I want to be counter to that and say, like, hey, not put this in the Phantom Zone because it should be given a second chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, like, I also don't recommend it. <laughs> so, like, I, I Could really we, like, don't. Would, would it be fair saying, like, hey, this movie's underrated? No, it's absolutely underrated. Yeah. Like, when it's considered one of the worst things ever, then obviously... Obviously, it's underrated. There's a big potential for being underrated. <laughs> you know? I just... What do we say about it, then? Because it's like, I I'm think, not going to say, go watch Howard the Duck, but I'm not going to say, avoid this movie, you know? Okay, I'm going to say not in the Phantom Zone, because I think it's worth a watch, mm-hmm. at the least. I'm not going to recommend it as like, hey, this is a pretty good movie. You'd be surprised. But I will say, like... You hey, should, this movie does some good stuff. It's <laughs> interesting, to say the least. And you should you should maybe give it a shot. Not give it a shot, but you should at least observe it. You know? <laughs> not watch it, but observe it. You know how, like, you go to a zoo? You're not meaning to be entertained. You mean like, you mean to observe and learn a thing or two. I think that's how this should be watched. Because it's also about a duck at its core, isn't it? It is. It is. <laughs> like, this is a movie that you can observe and be like, well, that's very interesting that they yeah. decided to do this. And there's, like, a fun little historical thing to this movie where it's like, oh, this is the first time, like, a Marvel comic has become a f- 
full-length feature film. Right, which is fascinating in and of itself. Yeah. But it's also, again, like we said, like, Lucas wanted it to be animated, and yeah. they they couldn't. Well, also, that's another thing. Like, this is a George Lucas project? That's Lu- not a that's, Lucas film project? That's not like, that surprising. Look at anything he's been attached to that's not Star Wars. It's always been, like, some weird, obscure yeah. shit. <laughs> Red Tails. Like, let's make a very... Did you watch that? I did. It's not great. Is the dog fighting good? Because that's something he's really good at. The dog fighting's at. good. Um, but, like, as a movie, like, there, there's a better movie about the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, like, what was the other one he did? It was, like, an animated movie that he did that was also, like, kind of a musical. Strange Magic. But that's another, like, very weird one. Like, George, yeah, I guess Lucasfilm has been involved with a lot of very strange things. That aren't like Star Wars or Indiana Jones, you know? Mm-hmm. $13 million. <laughs> wow. Yikes. <laughs> Against what budget? It was like 70, $70 million or whatever. Yikes. Um, good thing yeah. he's a billionaire. It is a good thing he's a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, not in the Phantom Zone for those reasons. You know what this is? Is a perfect cable movie to have in the background. Giggle and then go do some laundry or yeah. go cook something and take a nap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're comfortable thinking that this is the one of the worst movies ever and without ever, like, watching it... I keep wanting to you say, should watch I it. I keep wanting to say, like, observing, because I just think this is something you observe rather than watch. <laughs> but, like, yeah, then you should definitely give That's give the it a instance shot. You should, where you should, you should watch it. should definitely, like, at least know what it is. Yeah, at least that way you're judging yeah. it fairly. Right. No, that's it for us, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thanks for listening to us talking about fucking Howard the Duck for an hour and a half. <laughs> Thanks to that piano dude for our musical intro. Make sure you leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please, please, please tell a friend. And thank you for telling a friend. Uh, you can support the show on Patreon uh, where we have our second podcast. Berto, what's our second podcast? I'm, I'm blanking. I'm sorry. Where's Mephisto? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's where we, uh, we look for Mephisto in currently streaming television are you did you forget are you confused i'm just trying to find the right word <laughs> uh, but yeah uh right now we're looking for mephisto in the mandalorian uh we have also searched for him in andor obi-wan moon knight yep. miss marvel miss marvel so season three of mandalorian uh we're almost done i know the show already ended but we got again i went on vacation we got a little behind we have two episodes left uh we'll do that all in one that'll be coming up soon also on our patreon outtakes episodes and probably soon to come some other little bonus little bits and bobs so if you like the show you want to help us out you want to support it that's where you do it and you get a bunch of more content so that's the link below check it out also if you want to hang out with us throughout the week join our discord server uh it's absolutely free it's also linked below we just like chit-chatting sharing news sharing trailers uh and talking about it all that's there you can hang out with all our favorite um friends and fans um, speaking of friends and fans, we stream all these episodes live on Twitch. So if you like the show and you want to be a part of it, you want to hang out with us, contribute in any way, uh, that's how you do it. You just literally hang out with us <laughs> while we record these things. The, the recording is a little bit wild. It's all over the place. Uh, a lot gets edited out, but you can hang out with us like real comic book talk, Blake's takes, uh, and honey badger. And I almost said on Lumia stream and Lumia stream are, <laughs> Our little bot that our little bot controls our lighting, and he always says, "I'm here." <laughs> <laughs> um, Monday nights, 
Uh, usually around 8 p.m. We started late tonight, so it, it, it varies. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but you can find us on Instagram at Films from the Phantom Zone. You can find us on Twitter if you want to argue with us at Films from PZ. TikTok Films from PZ. Uh, and YouTube at Films from the Phantom Zone where you can listen to all these episodes uh, in audio format, but on YouTube, just in case if that's how you like getting your podcast. Yeah. But anyway, other than that, guys, we'll see you next week. We'll be doing what? What is it we're doing? Guardians of the Galaxy Guardians Volume 3. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be reviewing that probably after that, doing something Too fast, before Transformers. Too furious. Yeah, we got to keep on doing our, our little Fast and, and Furious mini episodes. Maybe if you wanted to, we can talk about that uh, Power Rangers 30th anniversary special. It's like an hour long. Yeah, sure, maybe. But thing. I feel like we had something else, too. Um, when Secret Invasion come out? Because... We're supposed to do Nick Fury. And like Nick, yeah, so it's Nick Fury. Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then it's probably uh, Transformers. That's July, though, isn't it? It's like five movies. <laughs> They're the five longest movies ever, too. Why are they so long? Because it's, it's Michael Bay. Anyway. <laughs> Other than that, guys, we will see you next week. Uh, goodbye. Bye.